Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for today is Luke 24, 36 through 48. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I ever stopped going to church, I don't know what I would do about communion. There is something about the ritual of breaking the bread, of pouring the juice, of having the same taste in your mouth for the second half of service every Sunday that resonates somewhere deep in the body. We may not be able to make a joyful noise, or focus our hearts in prayer on any given Sunday, but we can usually drink a tiny cup and chew a little wafer. Before the pandemic, I visited all of the Sunday school classes of Azel Christian Church, including the decidedly not attending Sunday school group that gathered over coffee in the fellowship hall. You know who you are and we love you. And it was so fascinating to experience the range of theology in these classes. I won't parse any of it out here, but the diversity of beliefs in this church is striking considering its size. Part of it may be the fact that we're one of a few mainline churches in the area, so there's not a lot of choice for people looking for a church that is not Baptist. And I know many of us here today are not cradle disciples. We found our way to the denomination through many roads. And some of us now claim the Disciples of Christ label for ourselves, and others of us consider this place a mere stop on our sojourn. But what I loved about visiting the Sunday school classes and eventually co-starting my own was that 
we would all break a few minutes before 11 and make our way to the sanctuary. We'd sing together, pray the Lord's Prayer together, recite our litany together, and our service would culminate with the orienting place of our worship, the table of Christ. And back in the day, pre-COVID, the choreography of this moment was elaborate, sometimes involving a fourth of our congregation in attendance. We'd have a presiding table leader, two elders for prayer, deacons flanking them. The tray would be passed back and forth, each person sharing communion with the other. A tray would then be taken to the nursery and to children's church. The choir would somehow trade off singing and consuming, and Jenny would discreetly throw back communion in between piano numbers. And no matter what we believed about Jesus, or the Bible, or prayer, or anything in the fine print, we would gather metaphorically around the same table and affirm each other's place there, proclaim the Lord's death together, and remember the wide, wide welcome that is not ours to give, but God's alone. And what had scattered at the 10 o'clock hour was gathered distinctly and profoundly by 11.30 or so. And while I appreciate the safety purpose these little pre-packaged styrofoam and shot glasses serve, I really miss passing that tray back and forth and having a bunch of people standing around the table. And it might be a very long time before we do this again, and that's okay. But God, I miss intinction. So many of us have a beloved memory of communion. One of mine happened here at Azel. At our All Saints service in 2019, Diane and Eddie Weger held the elements for intinction for me. And I had made it through what is always an emotional service, pretty composed. But when Diane looked at me in the eye, as she does, as I dipped the bread in the cup and she gave me a blessing, I lost it. I wept walking back to my seat. Because there's something about this ritual, isn't there? This sacrament that involves our bodies, first our mouths, and then our esophagus, and then our stomach, and then our colon, and then finally, something that we have taken into our mouth speaks to our souls in a way that nothing else can. There is a divine truth that exists in the bread and the cup that we consume each week that cannot be absorbed by our brains or our hearts, but can only be metabolized by our bodies. Our bodies are our soul's address, Anne Lamott says. We live here. We experience the world and each other, and thus God, through our biological processes. And we don't just acknowledge this during communion as a church. I mean, our own death is proclaimed on Ash Wednesday in a biological way. We're dust, and we'll become dust again, which is an eloquent way to talk about decomposition. But it's not just poetic, is it? It's sacred and holy and so very true 
And so it makes sense that Jesus gave us this act of worship at the table to remember him together. Today's reading is Luke's testimony of Jesus appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. And we read John's account last week together and quietly applauded Thomas for doubting out loud on our behalf. And this week, the appearance of Jesus is met with a mixture of awe, joy, disbelief, fear, and doubt. Even as he showed them his wounds to say, it's really me, I'm not a ghost. There was skepticism. And while in their joy they were disbelieving and wondering, the text says, Jesus said the magic words, have you got anything to eat? There's no bread and wine in this text, but there's broiled fish. And I wonder, as he grabbed a bite of tilapia, if he reminisced with his friends, trying to make the moment normal. Remember that time I was going on and on about the kingdom of God on the hillside? And people were getting hungry because I know you can only hear about changing the world for so long until your body says, we're going to need some fuel for this mission. And y'all went out and found some loaves and fish from a little boy. And everybody got something to eat that day. And there was more than enough for everyone. Remember that? And just like that, as Jesus chews and swallows, something becomes possible that was impossible before. And around that table, with all of their mixed feelings welcome, their hearts were open to the scriptures. And from that meal, they were commissioned by Jesus to spread the very good news for the people of God, news that would welcome every person on earth, news that would fundamentally change how humans relate to each other, how humans see God's own self. And then our story ends with Jesus telling those gathered around the table, you are witnesses of these things. When he said witness, he was not just talking about eyewitnesses. He's also saying that they will testify to this very truth that they're witnessing. And as it was then, so it is now. Just as they were commissioned to live their lives with the truths contained at that table, we gather around the table each week and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, declaring that all are welcome because Jesus said so. And from this table, we go to testify at our own tables, at our restaurant tables, at our picnic tables, at our break room tables, and at our kitchen tables. Because the table is where something that was impossible becomes possible when we chew and swallow. And as we come to the table each week, we imagine all the others gathered around with us. Those at the church down the street, those gathering across the ocean, those who have gone before us on our, and are on the other side of death now, and those who are not even here yet. And of course, our gracious and generous host, Jesus. We're all united together. And just as Jesus had to say, look, this is real life. I'm not a ghost. 
So this dream of unity and togetherness at the table is not some pie-in-the-sky, pie sweet-by-and-by altruism, but is a reality that is coming now wherever we proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection. And because we are witnesses of these things, we are charged with the reality being brought here and now in the way we live. Our reactions to this good news, this reality of the coming reign of God that flips everything upside down and inverts our power structures and makes everybody a little uncomfortable, the joy and disbelief and wandering and fear and doubt, they're all welcome at the table and are a symbol of the diversity around the table. And we should get really clear here. The unity and diversity that exist at the table of Christ are not a mere live and let live moral ethic. We don't come to this table to just agree to disagree or refuse to discuss unseemly things. This unity is not about silence or sameness. It's about commitment. It's about keeping the covenant we have made to each other. And just as peace is not a simple absence of conflict, but the presence of justice, so this unity serves a purpose. It is meant for the bringing about of the kingdom of God in all parts of our lives, the public and the private, the individual and the collective, the personal and the political, all the places in between, even if we're bumping elbows and spilling drinks in our fervor. The promise that we make and we keep each time we come to the table is that we're going to keep at it. We're going to keep coming around. <clears throat> we keep breaking that bread and, <clears throat> excuse me, and pouring that wine and passing it along because that's what we do. Because this table reminds us that our faith and lives are a mutual and shared endeavor. That we're not islands. We are not only individuals, but we are bound up in each other. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. And when we gather, coming each from our own place, we are called to come together to renegotiate what it means to live in the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus. To ask how this truth that is as real as a man eating fish in front of us fundamentally changes the way that we engage with one another. In the way that we engage with the world and with our neighbors and with our enemies and with beliefs we thought were as decided as a sealed tomb. But if we know anything from cleanup in the fellowship hall or dinner with kids, we know that eating together is inherently messy and loud. But what matters is the commitment of the table because it can break down barriers to things that cannot be accessed through creed or hymns or, frankly, prayer. 
I'm a professional prayer, but I don't know what I'd do without communion. Communion keeps me Christian. Because here's, here's the invitation it offers. Things may get fiery and hard, but let's keep coming around this table. Let's keep talking it out. Let's keep working on it. Let's keep remembering how this person's cheeks get rosy after a glass and how that person's beard always contains specks of bread and how this kid plays the drum with his fork and this gal leans into her plate like she's got a secret. And let's remember who we are in Christ because of Christ. Let's be met with joy and disbelief from time to time. Let's rethink what we thought we knew together. Let's figure out how to live resurrection lives here. And besides, if we're going to finish the work of Jesus, proclaiming the repentance and forgiveness of sins and making sure everybody knows they've got a place at this table, we're going to need something to eat. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.